0: Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the Scripture? Learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. I'm your host, Nate Akin, and with me this week is my brother, John Aiken, and also Josh Redberg. We're wrapping up our short Advent series focusing on the women Matthew includes in the genealogy of Jesus. Each one provides a fascinating glimpse of God's grace, and on today's episode, we'll consider the life of Mary, uh, the mother of our Lord. John, as we've gone through this series, you've we've retold the story of Israel in the Old Testament again. We kind of hit done that by hitting the different women in uh, the genealogy. Last week was Bathsheba, and now um, we're all the way up to Mary. So, what happens between Bathsheba and Mary in the life of Israel and in the Old Testament?
1: There is a few years in there um, <laughs> <Yeah>. between. Um, <laughs> so, so David has they they David and Bathsheba have Solomon. He builds a temple. Uh, as the height of the Israelite like empire is the David and Solomon reigns, they have rest, you know, he's got wisdom. People are streaming in from all over the world to learn from him. And, and, um, and then he sends, uh, and then his son Rehoboam doubles down on foolishness and splits the kingdom in two. So now you have a Northern kingdom, Israel, that's idolatrous from the start, Southern kingdom Judah. Um, Eventually, through the sin and wickedness in the northern kingdom, the Assyrian empire comes in and wipes them out. And then through the, the sin, even among David's descendants and in the King, kingdom of Judah, then Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar comes in, destroys the temple, takes them off into exile. They're there about 70 years, and then they come back and they start rebuilding things in the land. Uh, but they're still under kind of foreign powers uh, through these different... Uh, empires. So you had the Babylonian, then you had the Medo-Persian, then the, in the Greek Empire and then the Romans come along. Uh, and it's, it's during this time that, uh, you know, our Lord comes into the world.
0: Josh, uh, I think you said you did not preach this one uh, when your church went through it. But if you were uh, the one preaching, which of the texts would you have picked about Mary? There's obviously a lot more about her yeah. than some of the others. And what would be some of the main, uh, main ideas?
2: Yeah, I didn't preach this one in this series, but in different Advents, I have preached um, some of the story, certainly as you talk about Mary throughout that. Um, I think the one I would land on for this is Luke 1. Uh, I think of all of them, you you hear the most about Mary. Uh, obviously, Matthew, the end of Matthew 1, Matthew 2, she she's a big part of any any telling of the story. Um since she does deliver the Messiah. Um, but, but Mary is focused on more in Luke one and that's where Mary has that sort of magnificent song of praise. So that's where I've focused on when I've taught on Mary. John, there's a lot that sort of, and Josh, you can answer this too
0: as well, but there's some who seem to focus on Mary's age. Uh, do you think that's a massive part of the story? Um, why do you think they do that? What, What are your thoughts there?
1: I think just because she's, you know, she's a virgin and she's she's unmarried, I think that's why the text is is emphasizing that. Um because this is obviously a prophecy that has come from Isaiah. And um but yeah, I don't I don't know that it's a significant part. It's just she's she's an unmarried at this you know, in that in that in that culture they would have gotten married much earlier.
2: Yeah. I just I feels like I've heard preachers sometimes that focus on how young she might've been, how old Joseph might've been. I think sometimes it's done more as a, like, I I think it's trying to be provocative in a way that almost in our, that almost sounds creepy to us, which I don't think is real helpful for the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, as John said, the focus is that she's a virgin, that she, like, that's what makes, she could have been a 32 year old virgin or a, or a 14 year old virgin. Like that's, that's what makes it miraculous. Not the fact, that she was a certain age. So that's one of the things I would be aware. I think sometimes, like, I've just heard it sometimes where it seems like it's there more for this. It's supposed to be intriguing, but it just, it's intriguing because culturally for us, it feels creepy. But that's because we're just so far removed from this culture, um, not because there was anything creepy in the story.
0: That, I mean, one thing, this is a hermeneutical, probably lesson for us all, an, an interpretive one, if the text itself is not explicit about that, then maybe we need to be less uh, confident about how explicit we need to be as far as details that the authors clearly don't feel the need to be very, very like obviously explicit about yeah. her age or Joseph's age or so forth. So uh, probably something that to tuck away. Uh, if you're doing this as the the way we're kind of talking about it, working through Advent, you're probably preaching this one right around Christmas or between Christmas and New Year's. Does that change how you would like preach this length of sermon? uh, all those sort of things that go into maybe a holiday, uh, Sunday weekend.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would potentially, if if this, if this was the sermon I was going to do on like this year, like it's on Christmas Eve, um, I was, I would definitely shorten it, the sermon. I'm not, I'm not preaching 45 minutes on Christmas Eve. Right. Um, try not to do that normally e- either, but I would shorten it up and then it would be, yeah try to be very practical, lots of hope and and get to the gospel because there're gonna be a lot of visitors and people who don't normally come to church. Is that because you're really seeker sensitive i i am i am <laughs> I am not sensitive to seekers, but I definitely want to say things in a way that they'll understand. Josh, are you really yeah. seeker sensitive too?
2: very. Um, No one seeks after God, Nate. So it's very, very tough to be sensitive to the non-seekers. But I do think you, you you know, you recognize if this is right around Christmas, there's a good chance they're going to be unbelieving relatives. Maybe a friend will come. He won't come any other time. And so I'm thinking the same thing, John, is I'm going a little shorter, knowing their attention span is a lot less. There's likely kids in the room. More kids. Often we don't, you know, have the full kids classes those days. Shorten the service a little bit. Keep families together. And so as a preacher. Then yeah, I'm a little shorter. I'm I'm probably telling the story even more so than I might in a in a in a normal sermon. Um, and I'm I'm definitely just hidden in on the gospel. So I think in this particular one, I, focusing on Mary's faith, I think that's what stands out so much in this text and also is a great way on a Chris you know, on a Christmas weekend, um, to 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 speak specifically to those non Christians who are there um this this was hard to believe you think it's hard to believe the virgin birth what if you're the virgin that's even harder to believe mm. um and all the cost that comes with it and yet what she says is so explicitly faithful like mm. she asks how can this be i mean that's not that's not doubt that's just <laughs> that's just a fair question like I, my parents told yeah. me how this worked yeah. it's not like this <laughs> so how can yeah. this be and then she says, she calls herself, you know, the, um, she's the Lord's servant. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he do with me what you will. Um, you know, that's, uh, I mean, what an act of faith may, may it happen to me as you have said. So that's what I want to stress in this is, yeah, this, this is hard to believe. Here's why it happened. Um, and here's what the response should be. And I think she's a very compelling uh, person, a very compelling witness Um, to those who don't believe um, in this story. That's good. good.
0: Back to to even the question about length. Normally on those Sundays, we don't even have, at the churches I've been we wouldn't even have childcare. So you have young children in the room. And so to to do a 45-minute sermon is asking for chaos. Um, So (laughs) typically understanding why that might be a little bit shorter uh, than normal. John, maybe I'll, I'll start here with you. And then Josh, if you have thoughts, obviously jump in. It, it does seem like at times evangelicals like us can avoid talking about Mary. Um, what are ways for us to sort of honor her without making uh, the former Catholics in our congregation feel uncomfortable?
1: I, I just think, I mean, I think saying she's the mother of our Lord, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that she, and because of this great faith that Josh just referenced that she has, um, I mean, her, her prayer um, the, or the song, you know, the Magnificat is is amazing. It's very similar to Hannah's prayer in uh, First Samuel, mm-hmm. and it's this this understanding of man. Our God's the God who smashes the proud and and lifts up the lowly. And she certainly is a humble, faithful servant. And because of that, God used her in I mean, blessed her in this incredible way. And through her um, offspring, Satan's head is crushed. Mm. Uh, so I don't. I just don't feel like we need to say. Any more than that, but we also don't need to shy away from, man, this is, this is a woman who's a hero of the faith and that God used in a very special and unique way to bring salvation mm-hmm. to the world. Good.
2: Well, and I think if we focus on what she says, she talks about, she uses the phrase, you know, from now on, all generations will we call me blessed. You don't just pull that out of, of thin air and be like, yeah, look at it, we, we, the, the blessed <laughs> mother that we now pray to and we now worship. I mean, the, the phrase before is, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has looked upon with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Then the phrase after, because the mighty one has done great things for me. like, Like, she's blessed because of what God has done for her, which is, mm-hmm. as she describes earlier, he's my Savior. He's looked upon me with grace you know, and I've, he's done, he has done great things for me. And then the next verse is his mercy is from generation to generation. You can't separate that from the great things he's done for her. So if we actually listen to what she says, um, then it becomes clear that she's not, she's not this, you know, partially divine being. She is a, she's a humble sinner who has received God's grace, um, you know, this, 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 this is what, sh- this is who she is. And so I think we just actually, like we should anytime stick to the text and let yep. the text inform these truths.
0: And we more than anybody, because we are not Catholics, because we have not raised her to a place the scriptures have not have a chance to teach her life and story in a way that would be, you know, relatable and applicable to everybody else in the room, uh, mm-hmm. which is just an amazing thing to think about that, that she's chosen then as the one who's going to carry our Lord, and she's she's like us, which makes the whole magnificence of the of the incarnation even just m- more remarkable uh, about how the Lord has chosen to redeem a people uh, by making His Son just like us, which is amazing mm-hmm. to, to to think about. So I think I actually think the Catholics miss out on the opportunity to show just how staggering the incarnation is uh, by mm-hmm. the way that they yeah. uh, obviously handle Mary. Any final thoughts on her? Final applications you guys would make? Um, it really just, I think I would probably encourage people to do a little bit more of digging into her life, but any, any things that would be applications to take away.
1: One one thing I would do is that, cause I, um, in this series, I think it was easier to do this when you're talking about Tamar and you're talking about Rahab, you know, having to talk about prostitution and you're having to talk about these things. It's, it's easy for us to, again, to sanitize this story for, for the rest of her life, she's very blessed. For the rest of her life, she had to endure people whispering behind her back, mm-hmm. you know, doing air quotes. Oh, yeah, she was a virgin. Um, you know, Jesus was called a bastard uh, by some people. Um, and so, um, I mean, this is like, if if you th- you think about it this way, if, if we had this happen when we were in high school, there was a, a girl that we knew, who was dating one of the football players and, um, and apparently like she, she was like late her time of the month. And then she, she was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm like the Virgin Mary. And everybody's like, uh, (laughs) don't pee on my my shoes and tell me it's raining. You know what I mean? Like that's just not. And so that's, but that's, that's what she, um, that's what Mary had to endure, um, for the rest of her life. Uh, and people would, would say things. uh, And so this is, this isn't like again flannelgraph. This is this is a real story that had real pain and repercussion in, in Mary's life, and to be chosen for this uh, is wonderful. But it, it didn't it did not come without its costs. Um, mm, but God was good. faithful to her um, and used her incredibly th- despite that fact. Um, mm. And so again, I think it's I think it's just important to, that we don't um, try to smooth around the rough edges of what's happening in Scripture.
2: Yeah, I think I would point out where Mary's story ends. So it's recorded for us in Acts 1, verse 14. It says that she talked about the disciples. They were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Mary's life ends as a disciple in the church. So she's hmm. not standing there as, you know, as someone, at least as as someone interceding for the church or above the church, outside the church. Like she's, she's in the church. So here's Mary, who like received the grace of God in being chosen to deliver the Messiah ends her life where you and I should end our life, which is that she's a faithful disciple of Jesus. She's meeting with other Christians within the context of uh, like a, a local assembly of believers, and they're praying and worshiping together. You know, she becomes a recipient of the Holy Spirit, just as the other disciples do. Like this, this is where God's grace leads. And so um, I think she's, she, it's a great example for us. Um, you know, I just, it's hard to even fathom though. I think that's sort of fun. Maybe this is a place where you can just say, just imagine, imagine being in that church service. Imagine being the pastor in that church service and you get up and you're preaching about Jesus and Mary's sitting there. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. be like, you know, but if you have any questions, <laughs> like don't, Mary will be up front. And afterwards, she can answer them for you. But like, but here she is humbly sitting in the assembly, meeting with the assembly as a as a follower of Jesus. I, I think that's just remarkable. And I think it's a powerful apologetic for the gospel. If this was made up, do you think Mary, you know, would have given her life to it? Like that makes hmm. no sense. Um because yep. she's not, she's not her fame came way later. <laughs> like here she is just meeting. And assembling and worshiping as a follower of Jesus, and that's what God's grace did. It's mm, good stuff.
1: I have one more thing. Just, I think on the the practical side of of when you're teaching this, is to talk about the importance of family and and how God has structured the family in a certain way, with parents as being those who have authority, children being those who obey. Um, if 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 the Son of God was subject in everything to his earthly parents. How much more so should should our children uh, be obedient to us? And then, if, if the, the Son of God took care of His mother in her in her old age, uh, as He was getting ready to leave, then how much more important is that for for us to take care to show honor to our parents the entirety of our of our lives? Uh, and so, Mary's story, while it's just incredibly unique, um, it's also one that that many people it's it's a life of of having having a family, starting a family trying to raise kids. Um, Mm. And uh, so there's a lot practical there as well.
0: As currently having a little bit over a one month old in the house, I hope he listens to this podcast one day uh, and takes to heart what you just said. Uh, But also that is a great apologetic that Mary who would have known Jesus from day one was a a faithful disciple even at the end, which is uh, again, even a testimony to the realness of this, of this story. Well, guys, thanks so much for all your your work here on the Advent. Uh, We also just appreciate you guys listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. We come to the close of another year. Uh, We hope this Advent series has helped you worship Jesus during the season. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at christcenteredandclear.com. And please visit us at com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of Scripture.